Welcome to the Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. Todd has over 35 years of experience working with thousands of couples as a licensed therapist in his private practice. Todd shares his insights on this show. It's never too early to divorce-proof your marriage or too late to heal yourselves and have the relationship you truly want. Hello, everybody. This is Todd Krieger, and I am going to be talking to you today about dealing with strong emotions after discovering your spouse's pornography use. That's what I'm going to talk, how to deal with those strong feelings that you might have when discovering your spouse's pornography use. Uh, I've been talking a lot about pornography lately and, and dealing with it. Now I'm going to talk about it mainly from the point of view of the person who's betrayed. Now, what I do is I, I help uh, couples heal from these kinds of challenges as well as healing from infidelity. I also help them rekindle passion when they've lost their passion. Uh, I also help people, individuals, deal with trauma using EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is an evidence-based practice. But today, let's focus on the topic at hand. So... You know, when, when I do these videos, sometimes I want to see what other people are saying. And, you know, I have my own perspective, but my own perspective actually, I think, I, I think it comes from several things. And that's why I think what I have to say is very important. One is that I've been practicing for over 35 years now. And so I, I, I'm, I'm dealing with real life. I'm not dealing with fantasy or what's really going on. I, I try to deal with what's really going on. And over these decades... I have learned to look at what makes people really do what they do. And so I, I look at things a little differently than maybe people that haven't been immersed in working with people that have these issues. Uh, the other thing is uh, I'm a professor and, and I do a lot of readings and do trainings. I've done trainings, but I also take trainings in, 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 in uh, topics such as neurobiology. And why I'm bringing this out is that um, I'm going to end this uh, after a while with trying to get a deeper understanding of what makes people that do porn do what they do. But that's just at the very end. What I really want to focus on now is you, the person, if you're the person who's discovered the porn. And let me start by talking about some of the feelings of many of the, uh, and I'm going to say that most of the time, it's the woman that is the one that has found the porn use of the man or in gay relationships, uh, one man discovers from another man. But usually, when it comes to this, it's been the men looking at porn. I think some of the reasons is that men tend to be more visually stimulated, and so it's it's a quick attention grabber for, for, for men, versus women who aren't so visually stimulated, they're more kinesthetically stimulated. So uh, even though definitely there are issues that some women have with porn, so what are some of the feelings that you may be feeling? I'll just name a few that I've seen. One is shock. Uh, when a person is thinking that I know you and I know what's going on with you, and I know this is um, a similar feeling when a person discovers infidelity, which again, I define, if you've heard any of my videos, uh, I define, because people get, they say porn is infidelity, but uh, you know, as a matter of semantics, I define infidelity as when you are making some kind of contact with another human being whether it's through texting, through real, you know, person-to-person -person contact, through phone call, through chatting on the internet, uh, there is some real exchange with a real-life person. But it still feels like betrayal 
when a person discovers porn that their partner's doing for the first time. And that betrayal, you know, it's shocking, it's hurtful, it makes you feel doubtful, it oftentimes makes you even doubt your whole relationship. Uh, it leads to uh, feelings of self-doubt as well as doubt about the relationship, anxiety, anger, frustration. These are some of the feelings that a person will normally, I think is a normal reaction to when you discover your partner's doing porn. Whether you walked in on your partner doing porn or you discover it, it on their device, whatever the case may be. What are some beliefs? Okay, those are the feelings. I'm, I'm really talking about five things today. So number two is the feelings. Uh, the beliefs, I'm sorry. What are some of the beliefs? Now, one of the most common beliefs that gets triggered when the partner discovers that their partner's doing uh, pornography is, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not fun enough. I'm not sexy enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not blank enough. But basically, I'm not enough. And that's that's a, a very important belief. They also believe about their partner sometimes. They start to believe that their partner is um, pathetic. I'll give you, you know disgusting, bad. So they have beliefs about themselves. And they have beliefs about their partners, which we'll get to. So. what other beliefs you might want to think about. And if you come up, if there's any other beliefs, feel free to comment on uh, wherever you can comment, whether it's on my website or YouTube or podcast or however, just feel free to, to comment on, maybe there's some beliefs that I haven't mentioned yet. Here's another belief too. It's like the relationship is permanently damaged. That's a belief. There are also, the belief is if I accept this, I'm being a sap. Or if I don't accept it, I'm being an ununderstanding partner. So there's a lot of ways that people go that can contribute to negative beliefs, which then in turn can lead to negative feelings. So now, number three, as we start to talk about what do we do about these feelings? How do we deal with these feelings and beliefs. And I say strong emotions because they trigger these, these doubts, these beliefs, all that. The first thing that I do when I'm working with a partner who is uh, discovering this is I help them recognize that who they are and how attractive they are has to be disengaged from the choices their partner made. That's not so easy because People will oftentimes be conditioned to be defined by how their partner treats them. Many of us have not developed the kind of self, I'll say self-validation where we don't need the other person's validation. We would prefer it, but we actually also feel like we need it. And so when that person is doing something like that, it, it brings a gap in our soul. And so one of the things I do is help them fill that gap by recognize, by disengaging. It's like I define, I define my worth, not your behavior. 
and I decide I'm okay. And so even if you think, and this is the, we're going to get to this in a little while, but even if you do think I'm not enough, I need to practice defining that I'm enough. That is, look, I'm not saying that discovering this kind of betrayal is a good thing, but what I've found with people I've worked with is they found a newfound security. One of the metaphors I use is the moon and the sun, that a lot of times people act like they're the moon. The moon has no light of its own, and it needs the sun to reflect its light so you so the moon can shine. But you're not moonshine, you're sunshine. You have within you that light. It's already there. You don't need the you don't need someone to mirror that in you. Now, I know it doesn't always feel that way, but when we go through a crisis like this, and maybe you see someone like me or you read books or whatever you need to do, you start to discover that, hopefully, that you already are what you were seeking and that you can't look for your worth in the other person's reflection of you, that you have it. So along with that, that was number three. Number four is self-care. So number three is disengaging your behavior or his behavior from your worth and your attractiveness. You know, one of the things I want to just say about attractiveness is, because I've seen this in many, many of my clients, they, they go, well, look, look who this person's looking at. He's looking at penthouse pets or playboy centerfolds or young women that are, you know, really sexy. And I've been at home not being sexy. I've been changing diapers and I've been doing this and doing that and cooking and uh, how can I compete? How can I compete with, with these sexy, attractive women? If it is sexy, attractive women. I've seen, when, I've seen the other thing. I've seen women discover that's who you've been looking at. And they weren't very attractive. And, and that doesn't feel good either. But it's another thing. It's like, why do you find these people attractive? But the tendency really is that how can I compete and here again, you have to define your worth because if you're 45, just to say, and the person, people he's looking at was 25, you have to accept your own 45 and what it is to be 45. And it's going to be his job to accept that too. We'll get to him again towards the end, but I really want to focus on, on you first. So you need to decide that no matter what, you are attractive. And I have helped many people, especially women here, experience that their attractiveness on the outside really has a lot to do with how attractive they feel or the how much they believe they're attractive on the inside. There's a certain way one comes across when they know they're attractive. And why are they attractive? Not because they're perfectly shaped or that they have perfect features or they have a certain look, it's because they see their attractiveness despite not being the society's image of perfection, which actually is very short-lived anyway. And most of these people are Photoshopped anyway. So it's recognizing that accepting your own humanness, your own beautiful imperfection, is very, very important. Okay, now let me talk about number four, self-care. 
self-care, like it's overlapping a little bit because part of self-care is recognizing what I call self-definition or self-validation where you start to recognize that I validate who I am. Yes, I want to, I want you to see my beauty, but that's really not in my control. What's in my control? Again, you're disengaging. But other parts of self-care, because I've seen this too, is just oftentimes when, when a person sees that and they have this crisis reaction to it, uh, they oftentimes get into survival mode and they stop doing self-care. So you want to watch for that. Self-care would be things like getting enough sleep, exercising, taking time out to meditate, doing the things that make you feel good and alive, seeing your friends. If you need to, seeing a coach or seeing a therapist like myself. And just really just making a, a prior, priority to take care of yourself, self-care. It's very, very important. It's all, again, connected with, I treat me like I'm worth it. I treat me like I'm beautiful. The fifth thing then is, and I've said this in other talks I've given is, look, I deal with, I, I'm interested in what's true, not what we think is true. Because our mind takes us oftentimes down a lot of wrong paths. So I am very interested in what is really true. And I've, I've made my adult life, I've, I've made it my path to study what's true and look at people with sort of like psychological x-ray glasses. And I encourage you to do the same, to look at your partner through psychological x-ray glasses. The superficial knee-jerk reaction is, you did this to me. But really, this person is doing things for other reasons. I've said this in other videos. But definitely, it's a way, oftentimes, to make this simple for this video, for this uh, for this talk, I mean, is it, it's a simple way to either upregulate to make this person feel alive and excited to get an adrenaline rush, or to be a stress release. I can say a lot more about that, and I have in other places, but basically, it's because this person has not learned how to regulate emotions either up to be more alive or down to be less stressed in healthier ways. The other thing about this person, and maybe you may have to take a look at your own style, is how open have we been with each other? I think in our relationships, we have been taught to keep things secret. So I can't share my impulse with you so I'm more apt to act it out versus if I share it with you, there's less tendency to act it. I could tell you. I mean, this is a healthy relationship is when I say, man, I have these uh, things in my head, these images of wanting to do porn, in it, but I don't want to keep a secret from you because secrets are terrible for relationships. But we haven't been taught to be that open. So if you look at really what's going on, you have a partner who doesn't have a good way of regulating their emotions up or down, and they also haven't been taught to be open, so they hide. And that leads to these kinds of situations. So we want to meet life where it is, not where we wished it would be or where we think it is, and recognize that it's not black and white, that your beliefs about your partner isn't so isn't necessarily correct either. There's a person who needs to look at that part of him, if it's a him, okay, that is doing that behavior. But that doesn't disqualify the rest of your relationship. That's important too. So you always want to look at what's really going on rather than 
what you think's going on, black and white, superficial interpretations of what's going on. It'll just make you feel worse. Ultimately, we need to have a deeper appreciation for our humanness and learn to realize that we could heal from this. We could. We, there's a cure. I joke about this, but I say, look, I have a scar here and I have a scar here, but my face is still beautiful. My neck, everything's beautiful, despite my scars. So if you want to consider this discovery a scar, you could still make the relationship beautiful by looking at what's true about you, that you're enough, that you deserve self-care, and that what's true about your partner, and especially if your partner is willing to look at himself and see what is behind that behavior, that there's a chance for improvement, there's a chance for growth, and there's a chance for healing. So that's what I wanted to say about dealing with strong emotions after discovering your spouse's pornography use. Uh, I wish you the best. This is Todd Krieger, making the world safe for love. That's it for today's episode of Let's Talk About Love, Sex, and Infidelity Podcast with your host, Todd Krieger. For free resources and materials, head over to ToddKrieger.com. Loved this episode? Head over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you.